Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brant. And this episode, we are talking about SST 23 Black Flag My War. Yes. This is a this is a really uh, important release, and we'll get to it in a moment. There's one thing I wanted to mention off the top, Brant. I can't remember what podcast it was, but it was the one or what episode. It was the one where we were talking about Radio Tokyo tapes, that compilation series. It must have been a Minutemen. Buzzer one. Howell, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Remember we were we were talking about, you know, what is the Radio Tokyo tapes compilation series? There we were mostly talking about the first one, because that's the one where the Minutemen were able to kind of spin providing a song for that compilation into a few songs that they ended up using for that SST release. And there's that first one. There's a Radio Tokyo Tapes Volume 2 that I think is like all acoustic. There's a, a Radio Tokyo Tapes compilation that is all like women, primarily musicians, I believe. Anyways, we were talking about, you know, some sort of greatest hits Radio Tokyo Tapes CD. And I think you had mentioned that it had like some sort of radio tower on the cover or yeah. something. Uh, do you remember that? Something like that, yeah. So that was really bugging me because I was like, yeah, I mean, I know that there is kind of a best of on CD, but I don't, I, I just couldn't clearly remember the radio tower. Anyways, I went digging through my shelves and I think I found what you were referring to. And it is a, a compilation on New Alliance Records called Taste Test Number One. Mm, yep, that's it. Right, and this one is actually, it's not Radio Tokyo tapes. It is a collection of live performances on, and this is what it says, Splat Wingers Brain Cookies, as broadcast from the studios of KXLU-FM Los Angeles. And uh, it has a lot of SST, I mean, it's on New Alliance, so no surprise there that it would have some SST-related bands. It has Firehose on it. Roger Miller, Screaming Trees, Paper Bag, Criminy, which is like a Mike Watt band. Most, I think they only release stuff on New Alliance. Lawndale put out a, a kind of a surf band on SST. Always August. D Boone has got a couple of solo tracks. Universe, Universal Congress of, which was um, pretty sure that's Joe Biza's band after Sacrament Trust, or maybe it's Jack Brewer's band. Right. So, anyways. That was the compilation that, for some reason, was uh, bugging us when we were talking about Radio Tokyo Tapes. There is a Best of Radio Tokyo Tapes compilation CD, and it does have a number of the bands that we mentioned on that episode from Volume 1, like The Minutemen, The Long Riders, A Hundred Flowers, and uh, and whatnot. Anyways, I thought I would um, end the insanity with that little spiel and get at the right compilation. Well, it wasn't bugging me quite as much as it was bugging you, but uh, I, you know what, I do own that CD, and it's been 20 plus years since I've listened to it, so I'm going to dig it up, because you just made me want to do that. Yeah, and I mean, the sound quality is great, and it has a couple of excellent Firehose songs that kick it out, kick it off, Hear Me and Relate and Dudes to Jazz, so there you go. I don't know, do you have anything to get into before we start talking about My War? No, man, let's do it. History lesson, part one. All right, so My War is a big record for a lot of reasons. There are some lineup changes, and as a result, some changes at SST. So, Brent, 
why don't you start uh, getting into what was happening with the band and the label at that time? Well, we've talked about the unicorn stuff. I feel like we've kind of covered that off. But just to recap, Flag was having some legal troubles. There was an injunction that was preventing them from releasing any music. And uh, they were really in disarray. Des Kadena had quit and formed the DC3. Chuck Dukowski had been, um, well, Greg Ginn basically said, you know, I'm going to quit Black Flag if you stay in the band, more or less. So they're down to a trio. And uh, Robo's out as well. Bill Stevenson's, uh, well, in between then, they they had uh, Chuck Biscuits in the band, who they got from DOA. And they did do some recording, the 82 demos, which we've discussed several times. And a lot of the songs uh, that are going to be on My War were on the 82 demos and stuff all the way up to, I think there's stuff from uh, In My Head on the 82, 82 demos. For sure, there's stuff from uh, Slip It In and yeah. and Loose Nut. And uh, so they're down to a, a trio. Sometime in 83, they recorded this album. And I, d I can't seem to find when it's... From everything you read, it sounds like they... They did several uh, recording sessions. You can find a lot of stuff about Spot kind of complaining about uh, how Greg Ginn really got obsessive around this time with the sound. Like he really uh, just couldn't leave stuff alone. He uh, he really started being like uh, even more of a perfectionist around this time and it had everything to do with the band's sound and the direction he wanted to go. And if you read, you know, in a lot of the books... They talk about, like, and if you see interviews from the time, uh, they were listening to, like, tons of Black Sabbath, in particular, like, Black Sabbath that was current at that time, the uh, Ronnie James Dio stuff, Heaven and Hell in particular, the album Heaven and Hell. So they were listening to a lot of uh, slower, and Vitus as well was, I think, a really big influence on this album. They were all really big St. Vitus fans. You can hear it in our... Joe Carducci episode, the St. Vitus episode, you can tell uh, that he was a really big fan of that band and that, and that they all were. So that's kind of what this album is famous for, is really dividing their fan base, right? Uh, you always hear about the sequencing of the album, uh, side one and side two, side two being the, the side with three really slow, heavy, sludgy songs, and a lot of their fans either weren't down with Chuck Dukowski not being in the band anymore and the direction the band went. Henry took the blame for a lot of that, I think. Um, you hear a lot of comments about Henry ruining the band and it's kind of, uh, this is the start of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. On the other hand, there is an entire generation of musicians who were heavily influenced by this album. They toured this album hard in 1984, and you read, you can find a ton of quotes from people like the Melvins and Mudhoney, Dale Crover. In have you seen that book? Everybody loves our town. It's like an oral history of grunge. Yeah, is that by Mark Yarm? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Not Mark Arm. Not Mark, Mark Arm. Yarm. Yep. Dale Crover in that book says the idea to slow down pretty much came from my war side too. Yeah, you know, there's that documentary that I think it's Sam Dunn put out from Banger Productions. Right. I don't know if you... Yep. So he put out those Metal Evolution movies. He did that Iron Maiden documentary, the Rush documentary. Yep. 
And then there is the Metal Evolution like TV series. And there is an episode on grunge. And the question is, you know, is grunge part of the metal heritage? Uh, and I believe he interviews Michael Azarad in that episode. And Michael Azarad also notes that when Black Flag came and played My, My War in Seattle, at least Michael Azarad, I believe, cites that as one of the sparks that really started grunge. Oh yeah, they all say it. There's a quote in uh, Our Band Could Be Your Life from Mark Arm, and he just says, It was definitely a line in the sand. It was sort of an intelligence test. If you could handle the changes of Black Flag, you weren't an idiot. And if you thought they were just selling out, then you were an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so much like Mark Arm. Yeah, but I mean, right after that, Tim Tim Yohannan from Maximum Rock and Roll, and they hated this album. In MRR, uh, he says... It sounds like Black Flag doing it, doing an imitation of Iron Maiden imitating Black Flag on a bad day. The shorter <laughs> songs are rarely exciting, and the three tracks on the B-side are sheer torture. Where's that quote from? That's from uh, Our Band Could Be Your Life also. Oh, I, I haven't, I read that book like right when it came out, and I can't even remember it. I got to reread that, but that blows my mind because one of the songs that pumps me up the most of all time is my war like just the start of that song oh is yeah insanity. yeah that's crazy man wow it just shows you the like how polarizing this album was like you either loved it or hated it and a lot of people hated it um i think history has been kind to it i mean for me this is the first black flag album i got it's one of the first punk albums i ever got i remember where i was when i heard it the first time and it just it floored me when i heard it but I had no uh, like historical perspective. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't comparing it to Damaged or anything like that. And so for me, it's my go-to, not just my go-to Black Flag album, it's like my go-to album, period. You know, I grew up in a small town. I was the only, I discovered punk rock by myself. I had nobody to get me into it. I didn't have any, you know, punk rock friends. I was like kind of the tastemaker amongst my friends. I was the guy making everybody tapes and, you know, telling my friends, you should get into this. But we were already into metal, you know, like it was metal first and then I got into punk. So it wasn't like, it wasn't a huge departure for me. Like, I don't consider this a metal album at all, you know, when you hear people say that. But I mean, for me, growing up in a small town and feeling super alienated, right, because... I was the only guy that was into skateboarding. I was the only punk rocker. Every, you know, everybody else in my town, all the the boys were all hockey players and hunters or they were into cars and I hated all of that shit. I was into drawing in my room. I was into playing guitar, you know, I was into fashion, you know, or my idea of fashion. And so for me when I heard this the lyrics on this album, they really struck a chord with me. And it's still to this day when I'm, you know, in times of trouble, it's my war all the way <laughs> for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because, I mean, I had heard earlier Black Flag um, than my war first on tapes that kind of an older punk rock guy had made for me in uh, where, where I grew up. Um, the first full length Black Flag album I heard and it's because you could find it used everywhere, was Family Man. Mm. And 
that's not a that's not a very good first Black Flag album to listen no. to. No, I had this one. I remember it like it was yesterday, and this was close to thirty years ago. I had this one and slip it in in my hands. And I was like 12 or 13 years old and I was like, well, I can't bring this slip at home, <laughs> slip it in tape home. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be my war and I'm glad that it was. Uh, you know what though? If, if I had brought home slip it in, I think it probably would have affected me the same way. Cause yeah, I, I like it, I, I like it equally myself. It's very similar. It's like, you know, totally. um, the only two back-to-back albums in the in the catalog to, uh, that are, are very similar, and I think it's you know it's just the writing process. It's like it's like the Ramones. They you know they didn't change their sound like Flag did, but they wrote those first three four albums, virtually had them all written before they released their first album, and they just said like let's release this in the order that they were written. And I I think that's essentially what Flag did. Yeah, but isn't, like, Kira is on Slip It In, right? She is, yeah. We didn't mention it, but in addition to Bill Stevenson joining the band for My War, a guy named Dale Nixon joined the band on bass. That's right. And Dale Nixon, of course, is actually just Greg Ginn. Right. And uh, But uh, what I will say is, about My War, and com- in comparison to Slip It In, I really like Kira's bass playing better. She's more groovier. Um, well, Greg just follows the guitar, right? And yeah, I mean, exactly. like you, exactly. we've talked about this before, but he really wanted a bed, you know, for himself to solo over top of. Yeah. And I oh, mean, yeah. the guitar playing, it has to be said on this album is absolutely insane. To go back again, when I heard the guitar playing on this album for the first time, I grew up in the eighties, right? So I got into music very young. So for me, it was Eddie Van Halen was like the gold standard for me and Randy Rhodes and people like that. And when I heard the guitar playing on this album, I mean, I, again, I had no perspective, so I didn't know that I knew Black Flag was a punk band. You know, I didn't know really what punk rock sound was supposed, quote unquote, supposed to sound like. And when I heard the guitar playing on this, I was just like completely floored. Yeah, it does. Some of it doesn't even sound on purpose, but you know it was a hundred percent on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and and when they so when they were pl- practicing, you read so much stuff about, and this continued once Kira joined the band. But Bill and and Greg practicing like they they would slow the songs down even slower. They called it trudging, and would practice the the songs at like a fraction of the speed. Greg ca- would described it as letting the rhythm ooze out and it was so they could really lock in the snare and the bass and get more attack on the on the rhythm guitar and on the leads and you hear a lot about that like Kira says once she joined the band Greg would you know Henry would practice for two hours with the band which is still a lot for someone doing what Henry does in Black Flag yeah that's a long practice no doubt. They would practice for another six without Henry. And then her and Bill would keep practicing while Greg went to go jam with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she said, she says it was like training for the Olympics. You know, we should mention just in case everyone doesn't know, I, I assume they do, but just in case they don't, Bill Stevenson, of course, he would have uh, recently left the descendants at this point. 
Yeah. And so that's that's where Bill Stevenson comes from, you know, and he's got the relationship, of course, with SST at that stage. We'll get to the Descendants later on because their new Alliance releases get re-released on SST. One other thing about Dale Nixon, though, is Dale Nixon has become a bit of a pseudonym, I don't know what you, legend, I guess, maybe you could call it, but there's a whole bunch of recordings out there where the bass player is listed as Dale Nixon, and it's not Greg Ginn. It's just people who played like guest bass on an album or whatever, and the inside joke is it's Dale Nixon, the same guy who played bass on Black Flag My War, and obviously it's not. Yeah, so they uh, they recorded it at Total Access. Greg, Bill, and Spot uh, shared production duties. And uh, I found a thing on uh, Joe Carducci's blog, uh, New Vulgate, issue number 75. He says, Greg was seriously obsessed with the idea of the album sounding dark and sludgy, i.e. anti-punk. In that regard, My, My War was a dis- dismal failure since none of the tracks or performances lent themselves to such treatment. Hell, St. Vitus had been honing their sound for years. They had it down in their sleep. You know, you hear a lot of complaints about the sonic quality of this album. Apparently, it there was it came close to being remastered around the time when Black Flag re- reformed. I'm almost glad it didn't. Just because it's like uh, we've said before, when you have, you know, a cassette tape, like a second, third generation dub and it's got some glitches in it and stuff like that and you're almost used to it? Am I making sense? Like, I love the way this album sounds. To yeah, me, it sounds I, it it's, sounds claustrophobic. Somebody, somewhere, I, I read a quote that said it sounds like it was recorded under a bunch of blankets. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I think it sounds great, and it, and it sounds great, and I'm glad they didn't remaster it either. And again, it sounds great because it's the way I heard it, is the way that I, I put those types of comments i guess and we've talked about that before like it's the way i heard it it's the way i know it and it sounds exactly the way it should be right just the way it is yeah so all i could really find about exact dates was recorded late 83 uh the band was supposedly two hundred thousand dollars in debt at that point and uh gin talks about having to pay legal fees long after the band split up and We've mentioned Kira a few times, but she joined in uh, December of 83. There's a really cool book uh, where she talks about joining Flag. It's pretty new. It's called We're Going, We Were Going to Change the World, Interviews with Women from the 70s and 80s Southern California Punk Rock Scene by Stacey Ru- Russo. It's fairly new. Uh, there's a foreword by Mike Watt in it. Huh. And, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty new. I just got it, and uh, it's got interviews with like Alice Bag, Texacala Jones, Exine Cervenka, and uh, Kira as well. That's very cool. So, what about at SST though? Like, there's a bit of controversy about how uh, Chuck left the band, but he didn't leave SST, right? Nope, he stays on and kind of takes over their booking arm, Global Booking, and uh, real, you know, really throws himself into that. Liked working with the bands, stayed on with the label like well into the nineties. Yeah, but it's a it's a long time. I'm just looking for the first SWA release. That's SST fifty three, I think. And so, I mean, Des puts out a DC three record pretty quick. 
but it's... I thought Worm Feast was coming next, no? Yeah, you're right, SST-41. So I guess that's the next time that Chuck is back on the label, recorded-wise. So they're going to... Flag is going to, as Greg Ginn put it at the time, go into attack mode in 1984. Uh, this came out in March of 84. Cure is in the band... And I, I believe they called their tour the Kill Everyone Now Tour. I read a cool quote from Tim Kerr, in, who was in the Big Boys. This is in the uh, Spray Paint the Walls book. He says, Black Flag were always doing something different and challenging people. They would come to your town, all long hair and beards, and play super, super slow. And everybody was all bummed out because they wanted to hear the old stuff. They would leave town, and people would buy the new album and get into that, and next time the flag came into town, their hair would be cut short, and they'd be doing something different. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. One other thing, uh, Ryan, that you read a lot about uh, at this point, along with the slower music... Chuck not being in the band, which bummed a lot of people out. The long hair and beards, which bummed a lot of people out, is the amount of pot the band was apparently smoking at this point. I mean, we're going to start seeing stuff like the, the longer instrumental stuff starting to come. Yeah. The 84 tour that they're going to go on, they're going to they're gonna open the set each night with a super long instrumental track. I mean, Greg Ginn was known to be a deadhead. He apparently dreamed of having Black Flag open for the Grateful Dead. <laughs> that you you hear a lot about that, but I mean they're they're gonna make up for lost time in '84. Um, over the next 18 months, they released four studio albums, one live album, and one EP. Just insane. There's just an insane amount of Flag stuff about to come out. Is the EP the process of weeding out? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that one was hard for me to get into initially too, but I've since grown to love it. But yeah. it took a long time. Maybe I was one of the idiots like Mark Arm said. Maybe that was me. <laughs> it's uh, it's not an easy one, for sure. So that's kind of where the band was at at that time. They're kind of just getting it back together. And they're going to have a pretty solid lineup for a good while. And do some pretty hard touring. All of yeah. which is really well documented in Get In The Van. Yeah, the, uh, the Bill Stevenson, Kira, Henry... Greg Ginn lineup. That's the classic lineup for me. Yeah, pretty solid for a long time. Kira really gives Bill Stevenson a lot of credit for uh, helping her out during her time in the band. I mean, the Black Flag were not friends. Internally, no. No. <laughs> no. no, they were all working for Greg. Yeah. You know what, though? I do get the sense, though, that, I mean, they were working for Greg. Henry was a grumpy guy. I feel like Bill Stevenson and Kira from what I've read and, and, you know, the footage I've seen, seems like they kind of had a mutual respect. Yeah. That was, that was my take on it. Anyways. I mean, it, the, the one thing that band had was an all for one, one for all attitude when it came to like going out and like hitting people over the head with their new sound, you know, I guess antagonizing audiences. I mean, they were all on the same page. There's a, when I was growing up, uh, up in Canada here, uh, in people, in case people don't know, we have a channel called Much Music. It's like, or we did at the time in, you know, this is in the eighties. I don't know if it's still on the air or not, but. It's like the Canadian MTV. Yeah. Pretty much. I taped a documentary on there one time called Punk 7679. And, you know, you can tell by the title, it was, you know, mostly 70s stuff, right? Like the, the Sex Pistols and. And, uh, some Canadian stuff like DOA and the young Canadians. 
and it kind of it mostly covered that stuff but then it went in into like what happened next which was hardcore and uh there's interviews with jello biafra and there's an interview clip with black flag on there that and i mean i watched this a zillion times right because you were starving for stuff like that back then you know and uh they're sitting on the stairs uh, outside a venue and bill stevenson says like he basically says in the music industry, you are rewarded for being a constant parody of yourself and you are shunned for being, for moving forward and being original. And he's right about that. Any band that like evolves too quickly outside of like their, the their circle of fans, I think is going to get criti- criticized for it. To a certain degree, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because they just, people are oriented toward hearing the hits and hearing something familiar. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I get that. I mean, it's why I listen to some of my favorite albums over and over again. I get that. But I also think that, I mean, Bill's got it right. It's a, you you are swimming upstream when you are evolving so dramatically like they did. Well, we should talk about the, the actual music on the album. History Lesson, Part 2. I feel like we've kind of talked about the sonic quality of the album a fair amount, so we probably don't need to cover that off. As far as the songs, I mean, I love every single song on this album. From start to finish, I wouldn't change a thing about this album. I mean, when I was a kid, it was all side one for me. I liked side two, but I didn't, I guess I didn't see the importance in it, maybe, and how influential side two was. I just thought of it you know, I re- you know, obviously the fact that it was, that those three songs were put together on side two was not lost on me, but I was full of, <laughs> full of, uh, anger. So for me, the angry side is like the faster and lyrically as well. You know, you can't beat the lyrics in like my war, can't decide, beat my head against the wall. Yeah. There, you know, I will say, I understand the importance of side two, but I still, prefer side one when I listen to it. I'll listen to it start to finish. Yeah. But I have more of a visceral reaction to side one still to this day. But I get why side two is important. Side two is like all bad vibes, right? Side one is like pure rage almost. Yeah, for sure. Hey, what version of this do you have? Well, I have the cassette tape that I bought when I was like 13 and then I have the vinyl on SST. So you've got an SST one. I have a fringe copy of this. So that is like a a copy of an SST released that was licensed to Fringe Records in Canada. I used to buy a lot of stuff on, I used to order directly from Fringe. All the like Dead Kennedys and stuff, all the Dead Kennedys was on Fringe and all the Canadian hardcore like uh, Death Sentence and... Uh, the oh, bunch, yeah. of, bunch of fucking goofs and guilt parade, guilt parade, dogs with jobs, <laughs> Diglo abortions. <laughs> I used to buy all that stuff from directly yeah. from Fringe. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it in a bit, but I think that the Fringe release is missing some goodies off of it. Uh, but it's you know you all, always see that you know jacket made in Canada. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this whole thing was made in Canada except the recording. Yeah. What about the cover? Well, the cover's iconic. I never really knew <laughs> what it was trying to say, you know. It's uh, a creepy-looking dude with yellow teeth 
and somebody's, you know, waving a knife at him and holding a boxing glove or wearing a boxing glove. The the person holding the knife is also wearing a boxing glove. So I always thought it was like a hand puppet. Oh. Because, because look at under the knife blade, there's a tie. Like it's, like it's the head and, uh, the fingers of the puppet are holding the knife. Hmm. I never thought of that before. I never thought that was a tie. I thought that was part of the boxing glove. Oh, shoot. I don't know. I don't know either. I've never really thought of it that way before. So there is... I just uh, thought you couldn't see the guy's body because because of the arm being in the way, but... Yeah, I I always, for some reason, it always looked like a hand puppet to me. And just give me a second. I'm going to grab another record to to see if I'm on to something here. Hang on. Are you grabbing the Hanson Brothers? Grabbing the Hanson Brothers. So here's a Canadian band called the Hanson Brothers. They put out an album called My Game. And the cover kind of apes this Pettibone, Raymond Pettibone drawing. And I don't know. I mean, it, it looks puppet-esque to me as well. Yeah. I bet you there are people on this, like listening to this, are going, it's not a puppet, you guys. Get over it. <laughs> yeah. I've honestly never even considered that before. The thoughts never crossed my mind. But um, this is an album cover I've stared at for hours. So... <laughs> Did I just blow your mind? No, because I don't think it's a puppet either. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I blew your mind. You're just uh, you're too proud. Yeah, this is uh, still either way, puppet or not, it's an iconic piece of artwork. Absolutely, uh, I bet you they sold a zillion of these T-shirts back in the day. Yeah, it still is always really interesting to see Pettibone drawings with color too. Yeah, I've complained about that before, but this one, I uh, again, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I'm just looking at. Uh, I feel like mine, probably my version, my fringe products version, probably doesn't say a bunch of the other potentially cool stuff that you might see on a SST version. No, it's pretty bare bones, man. It says it pretty much says what we've already discussed. Is there uh, anything on the spine? No, nope, nothing. It pretty well says everything we discussed already. Somebody did, uh, I saw on eBay recently, somebody had uh, a My War press kit. That looked really cool. It went for like 200 bucks. It was like, a, it's all it is is a Xeroxed press kit from the, from the era. Was there a, even like an 8x10 or something? No, nothing. Wow. We got a lot of co-writes here too, right? Chuck Dukowski, of course, wrote My War. He's the sole writer. He's on record saying that song's about Greg Ginn. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then you've got he wrote I love you. And uh I read I've read some stuff where he's very complimentary about he- uh Henry's singing. He has said like I couldn't picture any of the other flag vocalists singing those songs. Definitely not I love you. Well, Hen- maybe Keith. maybe Hen- Keith. Henry almost sings that one too. I know, I know. He's pretty hard on himself as a singer and he always calls himself a vocalist and he makes it sound like there is no melody to his vocals, but there absolutely is. On that one, there for sure is. But there is on, like, his early stuff with SOA, that old old Discord band, there's not much melody there. But his stuff with Flag and definitely with Rollins' band... Well, you know, uh, Beat I My mean, Head I, Against the Wall, like, he sings a melody on that song, you know? Yeah, like, it is not, you know, The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music melody, no. but there's melody there. He gets a co-write on Forever Time, and Swingin' Man, those are both Gin Rollins co-writes. So Henry wrote, a, wrote part or all of the lyrics. 
and he's uh, also co-writer on Nothing Left Inside and Three Nights on the B-side. With Gin, yeah. Yep. So that's new as well. But I mean, he wasn't in the band for most of Damaged. They had lots of time to write. This came out something like 18 months after Damaged, almost two years. Yeah, and then 1984 was just so productive for them. Now my version, I don't know, check the vinyl. I have no, nothing in the dead wax for me. Mine, and I wonder, I wonder, does, if, yeah. I uh, I think it's because my, again, I wonder if mine sounds different. I've only ever had this copy. I like how it sounds, but I'd love to hear maybe an SST version. Yeah, so the Renault grooves say, the A side says, exploring the inside of empty guns. And the flip side says, looking for the markings of rifled thoughts. Is that it then? And then there's the spot. The spot spot. Spot spot. Hey, I think I mentioned this on another episode, but do you remember the first time you ever came over to my place? I think I was living with my parents still. And you were you were looking through my record collection, right? Okay. And I think you pulled out this one. And I'm pretty sure I had the Minuteman ballot results as well, like on vinyl. But I remember you pulling out my war on vinyl and you said, you're lucky to have this. <laughs> You are. Anybody who has this is lucky to have it. Yeah, I just I remember you're you're a man of few words, but I could tell, <laughs> I could tell that uh, we, there there was maybe something there if you uh, were giving me the thumbs up for having my war. Yeah. And on that, maybe it's time for the ballot result, and you, it's got to be you who picks it this week. I got two more quotes to read you, Ryan, that I okay. just saw sitting written here in my book that I really liked. One is from uh, Michael Azarad, and he says, uh, this album sounds like Mahavishnu Orchestra after a bad day on the chain gang. (laughs) (laughs) This is from Spray Paint the Walls, describing side two. It says, the creepiest of crawls, a deadly ooze with the pulse of a soon-to-be corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. I do too. Maybe I was jumping the gun on ballot results here because there's a couple of I don't have quotes, but there's a couple of things that when I was listening to this that came to my mind, and I I wanted to make sure I didn't lose them. And that is, you can't deny how influential this record is. And I'm still listening to stuff, new stuff that's coming out today, that I can hear elements or throwbacks to stuff that Flag was turning into at this point in time. And I think I mentioned to you one day, that band that I was just checking out recently that I got into called Kowloon Walled City. Great band. And you can hear the black fl- the 84 Black Flag in that. And there is so much other stuff that I still listen to. And so even though Side 2 is not my favorite, I still have to listen to... There's still great songs. I still have to listen to My War from start to finish every time. I can't listen to the first three songs and then, you know, rewind or whatever. And I think that... And I mean... We mentioned the Melvins, but there are just a ton of bands that became lifelong bands for me that I think, at least in part, emanate from Flag in 84. So Lots of those really, bands do. all. You know, most of the Seattle bands, tons of like the sludgier, uh, like New Orleans bands, like I Hate God, for example, owe a huge debt to Black Flag, for sure. So it's great. I can't wait to get into... Well, I was just looking at... Uh, what's coming up and the next flag album is family man 
which, uh, as I mentioned before, is is probably the first one I bought because it was used everywhere because everyone bought it and then returned it. <laughs> and I have not listened to that for a long time, but I'm really excited to get into this next era of Black Flag. All right, ballot result. Ballot result. This one is all you. I don't know, man. I, like, I want to put every song on here. I really like. I really like the song "Forever Time." I love the uh, starts and stops, but uh, the live version of of that is also really good on live in '84 because they uh, that you really hear that. Uh, Rollins calls it uh, "off time holds." That that's how he describes the kind of Greg Ginn sound that you can really hear on that on that track forever time and uh, you can really hear that on the live version is that the way they the way they space them out like there's there's literally no time signature it's just awesome but for me i gotta go with my war i think it's just it's such an iconic song the the number of times i have blasted that song uh full volume in my lifetime and will until the day i die for me, it, it just has to be my war. Yeah, no doubt in my mind either. It's got to be. There are some great songs on here, but like I said, that is one of the number one songs of all time that will get you pumped up. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure you've seen the footage from the the flag stuff with Keith doing that song at the oh, Moose the Lodge. Is, yeah, the room is just vibrating. Oh, it's insane. Like the, you know, when... And, he, and you know what? You and I both really like Henry. Keith kills it when he sings this stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. All right, Ryan, what's next week? Next week is SST24, Saccharin Trust, Surviving You Always. I really like that album, so I'm looking forward yeah. to, uh, to digging into that one. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everyone. 